Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Hi, good evening, everybody. We are live. Welcome to Sunday evening service. We have actually a packed house here in uh, Kiowa, Colorado, and a ton more people watching online. I heard all of you guys online. Thank you for the... um, Great words of encouragement and all of that stuff, but welcome this evening if you are here, if you guys are online. Not a ton of announcements tonight. We all have uh, our mochahetes to get to, so we're actually going to get into service this evening and then um, and then uh, get out of here because it's cold. So if you guys would, let's say a quick prayer and then we'll get into it. Lord, we just thank you for this, as always, this opportunity to gather with each other and to fellowship and Lord, I just want to thank you for the people that you're bringing in and, and the, the people you're allowing us to just have an effect and, and, and touch and, and be there with, Lord. They're, it's making such a difference in our ministry and it's making such a difference in our lives and, and the lives of everybody else, Lord. Um, as we get through this message tonight, I just pray that it's received well, that you bless the ears that it falls upon. And may we always, always, always continue the great community and fellowship that we have with each other. Uh, it's in your name we pray. Amen. So good evening, everybody. How are you? Yeah, I got, I, and I have even more filing in. I love it. Um, so I, as always, I'm going to start off with a question tonight, and, and we're going to get kind of deep in it. But I got a quick question for you, and, it, and who or what do you guys let into your lives? And it seems like su- such a simple question, but... I found myself really asking myself that question as we were preparing, because I know like for me, I tend to be very guarded. I tend to push people away. I tend to close myself into to people that God is putting into my life. And then on the contrary, we talked about it earlier, I'll sit and I'll watch TV. And what am I letting in when that happens? Or I'll listen to a certain kind of music, and what am I letting inside that happens to that? Who or what do you guys let into your life? And that's a, that's a big-time question because it's important for us to understand that, right? Um, in preparation, thinking about that question, one example that kind of came to mind to me was, was, have any of you guys ever formed like a real deep friendship, but as an adult? Like, have you guys ever um, just met somebody who ended up being great community and, and a great friend, but it, it was kind of further on in your life as you were an adult and as you were older? I think about my example with, my, um, with Joe and Megan, who are like, seriously like two of my best friends. And, and what happens when we become friends as adults, right, is, is we go through this awkward meeting stage and then maybe we start developing a little bit of a relationship, and then they invite you over for dinner. So you get ready, go to their house, maybe dress nicer than you should, real gingerly knock on their door, right? And it can be kind of awkward at first. And then what happens is you guys start developing even further of a relationship. And maybe next time you go over, you don't have to dress as nice, and um, you're a little less ginger knocking on their door, and you're a little more open to them, right? And then what? who's on right counter tonight, Caleb? Um, 
Yeah, I need somebody that can count. I hear Nate out there somewhere. I think he can count. But then what happens, right, is, is eventually you start developing this relationship with them, and then you don't have to knock on their door. When you come over, it's just, hey, man, come on in. You pop yourself on the couch. Their house starts becoming more like your house, right? And then what happens is you start getting deeper and deeper into a relationship, and you get to the ultimate function, I think, in adult friendship. Do you guys know what that is? I call it refrigerator rights. You want the measure of a great relationship that you have as two adults? It's when you can walk into somebody's house and they let you write to their refrigerator, no questions asked. Seems kind of silly, right? But it's true. And what happens, I, I think, with that is it's an ultimate illustration to, to how guarded we are sometimes versus how we are letting people in our lives and how we're preventing God from helping in our lives, right? If somebody has refrigerator rights to my life, then, then they have access to something that I'm super guarded in, right? Because we tend to, as adults, we tend to guard hardcore, right? We tend to have the biggest walls and we don't let people in. But when we start developing relationships like that, you'll see that God uses people um, in your lives big time, right? And sometimes our walls and our guards and all of that, all of the things that we put up prevent, um, prevent you from letting God work in your life through other people. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight is the deep importance of community, right? The deep importance of refrigerator rights, which again are the number one sign of a deep friendship, right? There's two things in that, that I think as an adult, you and your best friend having refrigerator rights and you and your wife being allowed to fart in front of each other. Those are the, I know I shouldn't say that. We're live streaming now, I get it. Um, those are the two ultimate forms of trust. And you'll see that, that as Christians, we were meant to trust other people. God built us to have community, and, and you'll see tonight he built us to be a part of a body, not a body part. He built us to have refrigerator rights to people's lives, not restrictions. God calls us to open our resources, to share our flaws, and you'll see the third thing we're going to talk about tonight is God calls us to battle with each other. Because make no mistake, friends, we are in a spiritual battle every single day. We are fighting ourselves, and we are, we are fighting evil, and we, we have an ultimate enemy that fights for our soul every single day. And in spiritual battle, we were never meant to do that alone. So that's what we're going to get into tonight. So if you have your Bibles open with me to Acts chapter 4. We're going to be in a couple places, but we're going to start in Acts chapter 4. I love having the lights off, but I also, um, it was better on my iPad. So Acts chapter 4, verse 32. You guys ready to get into this? Yes. Yeah, let's do it. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. And what we're going to look at here is how we as Christians can open up our resources and let God use other people in our lives. So 432, it says, All the believers were united in heart and mind. They felt that what they had was not their own, so they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's 
great blessing, keyword blessing, upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. What's going on here? Let's paint the picture. So what we're seeing is here is in this verse, Paul is talking about how, how Jesus created this sense of community with his followers and, and uh, more specifically the apostles, right? So if you know the story of the apostles, you know that there was 12 of them minus or plus or minus some followers along the way. Um, and they followed Jesus throughout Israel in his mission, you know, before he died to save the world. So what's happening here is we saw people like Peter and um, Andrew and John and all these people give up their resources, give up their income to follow Jesus. Do you guys ever think about how they made it that way? I mean, you have grown adults here who, who met some crazy random man at the time, or at least a crazy random man that society was saying he was, and they gave up everything to follow them. How did they sustain themselves, right? How did they make ends meet? Because um, the other thing you don't see in the scriptures, they all have families, right? Peter had a wife. Um, and that could be very costly. But there was something about Jesus. There was something about him that made, that made not only people attracted to him, but made people trust him with their resources, with, with everything that they had. And then what you see here, and, and Paul's painting the picture, and it's perfect for us as Christians and followers of Jesus Christ, they also relied on the help from everybody else. So people, not only the apostles, but people around were seeing what was happening, and they were bringing resources in to help Jesus' ministry. Pretty important, right? Because without that stuff... How are they going to eat? Without that stuff, how are they going to function, right? Which is going to cost them. But what you see here is a willingness to let people in. What you see there is that they felt that what they had was for the good of others, not themselves. So you start following Jesus, right? And, th and think about this in your own lives. You start following Jesus and you start losing this selfless, you start developing the selflessness and new, losing your selfishness, right? Or we should be at least. Sometimes our walls prevent that, right? Refrigerator rights versus refrigerator restrictions. They were able to give and share in such a way that poverty was essentially eliminated. It didn't matter what was around the corner. It didn't matter where their next meal work was coming from. Because of something, and I'm going to coin it the Jesus effect, they had no doubt that they were going to eat. They had no doubt about what was going to happen. And what you see is that, that it wasn't miraculous food and money and things falling from the sky. What Jesus did was he used people in each other's lives to help feed and to help nurture and grow. It's so vitally important that we open our lives to others, other people because that's how Jesus works in our lives. That's an opportunity for Jesus to tell you something through somebody else, um, to use you, to use your resources, right? Because what you'll see, and again, the main theme, all of us were never meant to do this alone. We were never meant to fight the devil by ourselves, to fight temptation by ourselves, to, 
to, um, to preach, to anything, you'll see that Jesus built, we have a built-in community. Um, and, and that's what I just love, and that's why I chose this verse, is because that's, you really start to see that in each other here. What we can recognize is that everything we have come from God and joyfully give back to him and share it with others so uh, he can use us and take, a, take care of us and other people. To share with other Christians unites us. It builds God's army. And that's, my friends, think about your experience maybe here with Save the Cowboy. And, and maybe some of you are here because you don't have those relationships. Maybe some of you like are here on Sunday night because that's what you're looking for in, in a smaller, more intimate group experience. That's what Save the Cowboy can give you, and that's what I love about ministry, is that I have such deep and um, rooted relationships with people because of this building and because what, it, what Kevin has done, but more importantly, because what God is doing in you guys. And, and, and that's what I like to call the Jesus effect. Um, what we see here again from verse 4 is that there was just something about Jesus that, made, that attracted you to him like a magnet. I didn't, you didn't care about your money. You didn't care about that. You had to follow this guy because there was something going on that you didn't recognize, but you knew you wanted to be a part of. Um, and, and I just love that beautiful painting of the scripture there, right? It's called the Jesus effect. And, and what you saw when Jesus became part of uh, people's lives back then and today is that possessions mattered a lot less than community. You see it all the time. Jesus talks about the body of Christ, the body, the body of Christ. How, are, how does a body function, right? We all know I got a lame foot right now. We'll get the jokes out of the way now. Mitch loves to point fun at it. Joe's out there somewhere. I'm glad I can't see him. Um, but what happens when you're missing a body part? What happens in context when maybe you have to run from a predator or do all these things that we don't have to deal with in society anymore, right? But anybody ever injured a deer like... Um, Caleb will probably laugh at me for this. Anybody ever hit a deer and not killed it? I, I, can, I can think of a time, right, where, where I was really young and nervous and I was hunting with my dad for the first time. And this massive, massive, like, one of the biggest bucks I've ever seen. And this is my first time hunting, so I'm shaking and it's cold. Um, and I had to hike a lot and I just wanted to watch football. And... Uh, <laughs> I get this shot on, on a deer in it, and there's pressure from my dad and my grandfather, and my brothers are all watching me. And honestly, the moment was a little too big for me. I ended up shooting and wounding this deer in the leg. Never ended up getting it. Um, but what happened is, is, is about a week later, um, a, we heard a, a gunshot, and we were able to see a bunch of other hunters, and my dad went and asked to see the deer's leg lifted it up and it had a blown out shoulder and you can see where like coyotes and stuff had attacked it during that week you have this strong majestic fast animal right you take away one body part and how prone was it to attacks how prone was it to to um, its spiritual enemy in its life which was us hunters and coyotes and things like that that's what happens when we take a body part away from our community. 
you yourselves are, are, are body parts for God, but together we're one body, right? If, if we don't have each other to share in that and to strengthen each other, then we become the ultimate um, prey for our predators, right? In order to go far, we have to grow close. And in order to grow close, we have to share what we have. Another story I thought about when, when I was preparing for this was growing up, my, my dad and my, my stepmom were very secretive people. Like, we had access to nothing growing up. We, I had never seen the inside of their room. There was rooms in the house that were locked up, sometimes with padlocks that we couldn't get to. And, and I don't think there's anything malicious. I've never really talked about it with them. But... I remember, like, it caused a lot of mistrust between me and my brothers and our parents growing up. And it, it caused a lot of, like, our brains to go in weird places. Like, to this day, me and my brothers had made up a story that our stepmom was, like, in the cartel. Like, that's where you go, though, right? Because what happens is when you mistrust people, where does your brain go with them? It goes to the worst possible place, right? If you have a deep mistrust because people will not open up to you, they, they become an enemy in your brain, and that's, that's anti-gospel, right? That was not ever God's plan in our life. We are called to open up our resources. We're called to share with each other and admit our sins to each other and, and be there for each other and counsel each other and all these wonderful things that sometimes... The biggest inconvenience is just doing them, right? None of these things suck when you're actually doing them. All of these things are, are, bring me great joy and are fruitful in my life. The worst part is taking the three steps to my truck to get there, right? The worst part is, is, is making the effort to actually get in front of people and do these things, not actually doing them, right? And that's the enemy working against us in our lives. In order to go far, we have to grow close. And in order to grow close, we have to share what we have. Friends, open our resources. Open yourself to others. Don't create barriers in your life that are going to make people think you're in the cartel or any of that stuff, right? Because that's where our crazy minds go when we don't have access to each other. And what's access to each other? When you give somebody access in your life, and, and think with me, think about it real quick. Access is the ultimate form of trust. And what happens when we trust God, right? Deep things happen. But what happens is when we can learn to trust others and give them access to our lives, we can learn what trust is all about, and then that transfers to trusting God. Access is the ultimate form of trust in our lives. Right? Hopefully we see there the importance of opening ourselves up to people and sharing our resources and just having these honest conversations with each other because they're so vitally important. Um, and you don't want to do them so bad because that's the enemy telling you not to, right? Take those three steps to your truck because that's the hardest part. What's, what's on the other side is fruitful. Open your resources to people. And that's how we open our resources, right? We said the three things we're called to do in communities to open our resources, and number two is share our flaws. 
right? Which is, yeah, this is going to be hard for me to talk about, you know. I'm not an open person. I don't like to admit that I have flaws. And I'd venture to guess that most of you are the same way. How do we share our flaws? Let's talk about it. Turn with me to James chapter 5, you guys. James chapter 5. Verse 16 says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Right? What's the key word? What is he telling us here? Healing comes through prayer. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Pray for each other. How often do we do that? Why do you think God wants us to open up to each other and to build relationships with each other? And it's been the underlying theme, but really think about that. It's because by ourselves, we are prey, but together we're an army, right? It's why the enemies try so desperately to get you by yourself all the time. Think about it. If you are anything like me, and I'd, I'd venture to say a lot of you guys are, Sorry, I'm trying to get away from here. There's, this boot's like a, uh, it might as well be 25 pounds right now. I don't know how much it weighs. But think about it. When things start going wrong in your life, what's, your first, what's the first thing you do? When things aren't going your way, we all tend to retreat, right? When the pastor says something you don't agree with, um, what do you do? When a tragedy happens in your life, where do you go? It is human nature for some reason for us to retreat, and that is the opposite of what we are biblically called to do, and it's the opposite of what is going to help us in those situations, right? When we are hurt, we tend to retreat from people. When, when we're upset with the church, we tend to retreat from that, and when we are doing that, we are doing exactly what the devil wants us to do. We're called to come together how often, how often, and, and, and think deep with me on this, guys, do you share your flaws with other people? Why not? You think it's going to make me look weak. I don't want to be vulnerable with people. I don't want to open up. Things like that, right? What am I creating there? Refrigerator rights or refrigerator restrictions? But what we see through the Bible and, and in here in James is that when we open up with each other and we confess and we pray with each other, we start building big-time relationships. We're a body, not a body part. Christians were never meant to be alone because when we are alone, we are the most vulnerable, and that is when the enemy attacks. Think about it. Anybody ever watch a National Geographic documentary? Right, what happens? Do they attack the wildebeest that are together? Or does the, does the predator attack the wildebeest that goes off the water? That leaves the crowd. I can't hear what you said, but I'm sure it was funny. Um, and, and, like, I, I, that came from Caleb, too, and he's, like, one of the best hunters I know. So uh, I, I think he had the right answer. Um, but what happens, right? Think about it. Um, what happens... I, I think of this story in preparation for this, and it's going to sound so stupid, but I can think of like being in middle school and my friends daring me to ask a girl out, and me just sitting there like this, like, 
just waiting for her friends to leave to ask her out, right? And they're like nudging me, like, get over there, man, get over there. And I'm like, I'm going. I don't want to do this in front of her friends. I'm like peeking around the, bat the bathroom, all of that stuff. That's what we, and that, that's a bad example because I wasn't preying on anybody. I was just ugly, right? Um, I was ugly and I'm still afraid of rejection, okay? I'm working on it. But that's what we do when we want to accomplish something. Uh, we wait for people to get alone. And that's what the devil does in our lives, right? You never see a pack of wildebeest being attacked by a lion when they're running at them, right? It's when they're running away and they, get, they, get, they start to stray from their pack, from their community, from their body. That's when the devil attacks, and, and I've said it before, it's his number one weapon. When you retreat and you do all those things, because it's so easy, right? We, we, we retreat and we get alone because that is the easy way out, and I'm a, a victim of it more than probably anybody in here. But that makes the devil so happy. Now we're prey, right? When we, I, I said this before in, in a sermon that I preached. When we get away from the church, we are where God isn't. And where God isn't, the devil is. When we get away from the church, we are where God isn't. And where God isn't, the devil is. He uses simple things like that. He uses fear and all of these and our retreat tactics. And that's how he gains access to us. Think about this, right? We, we talked about there's a war for our souls. Every single day there's a spiritual battle. Your soul is so important, though. Because we, we think about the war, and I know I've said it, and Kevin said it pretty much the last three or four weeks. There is a war, but why is there? Because your soul is so important that God and the devil are willing to battle for it. And that's, that's big, my friends. Satan wants nothing more than to get you alone. Don't let it happen. Maturity in Christ allows, a maturity in Christ allows, gives us the strength to be honest about our sin and to share our sin. And then when we're honest and we share our sin, if I can do that with you guys, then I can do that with God. And that seems to be the natural progression of, of admitting our sins, right? If I can be open with you, my friends, then I can always be open with God about it. There seems to be this built-in blueprint to, to ridding ourselves of sin. And almost always, and, and Mitch can attest to this with the counseling and everything that him and Tania have been through this week, confessing to each other your sins brings you together, right? That is God's built-in blueprint. Alone, I'm a weak target for a predator, but together, we are a strong body that can't be broken. Makes sense, right? We're... I've realized, too, one other thing, thinking about this, this verse in John 5, is that through a lot of the counseling that I've gotten to do since working with Save the Cowboy and a lot of counseling that I've had myself, I've realized one thing. We all have the same problems, Think about that for a second. These problems and ailments that we suffer from in life, we think we're the only ones that are going through that, and that's why we carry this shame and we don't want to share it and all this stuff. But I can tell you, and Mitch can tell you, and, and you people that have been Christians for a long time can attest to the fact that we're all going through the same stuff, right? We like to think we're the only ones with 
pornography addictions, with financial problems, with, you know, that have cheated on our spouses, that have lost a job. We are all suffering through these same, same things. But the tool that, that the devil uses in your mind is, is that you are the only one suffering from this and that if you share it, you won't, you know, you won't have friends anymore. And that is such a lie. I can promise you, you are not the only one suffering from what you suffer. There are people, even in a room as small as this, I promise you statistically there are people who are going through the exact same thing you are, and there's something that clicks in your brain when you actually have community in your suffering. When you're, on, when you're going through the wrong thing and you know that somebody else is, is, is going through that with you, how much stronger do you feel? I can remember even like in high school football, we would lift and do this stuff all the time. And we, we had a, a gym teacher. He was like your stereotypical gym teacher, like shorts to here. Um, he had played in the NFL, bur- busted his knee out, so that, that's your national, natural progression, right? And the, once you play in the NFL and you, can't, you bust your knee out, now you can only be a gym teacher. But what he would do is, is we would have a max day every now and then, and, and it was a requirement like for your starting position that a, a max day every month you had to beat it by five pounds. So guys that couldn't like get their maxes or whatever, what he would do was something simple. He would put his finger under, like go to spot you, and he'd put his finger under the under you, under the the barbell, not under you. Um, he, that is a terrible visual. He would put his finger under the the barbell, and every single time you would get that up, right? And then he would yell at you in front of everybody and be like, "You think I lifted that with this?" What it is, is it, a, it there's, there's a power that happens in our mind when we know that we're not suffering alone and that there are people who are with us and helping us. It's natural for humans and it's biblical. Do not suffer alone. We are in this together, correct? We look down, and I'm glad Kevin talked about weaknesses today because we look down on our weaknesses so much and we, we try to flex the gifts that God has given us, right? Because we want to look impressive and do these great things to people. But think about this. I love to show off my strengths because they impress people. We impress people with our strengths, correct? Thank you, Nate. <laughs> we impress people with our strengths, but we connect with people with, through our weaknesses, I look cool doing the things that I'm good at, right? But when I get up here and I mumble in front of you guys and I admit my faults and I look like a blabbering idiot, I connect with you guys, right? It's my therapy. We, we impress people with our strengths, but we connect and we build relationships and we, we become one with each other through our weaknesses. Think about all the great relationships that you have in your life, and hopefully you guys have a lot of them. But think about your greatest relationship. Was it built off the fact that you were amazing? Or did you guys start to build off of each other? And it could be anything like a, a, um, a girlfriend, a wife, or a best friend, whatever. Chances are it wasn't your amazing strengths over time that built that relationship with people, but it was what you guys were weak in. That's probably what brought you together, and I'd be willing to stake my reputation on it because that's how God works. 
Did God select the most impressive disciples? No, right? He used messed up, weak, um, immoral sometimes people to build his ultimate plan because that's how God works because nobody cares about your strengths because over time those mean nothing. Your weakness will show more than your strengths and it's what you do with it that matters. The other thing, right, when we, oh, we talked about our strengths and weaknesses, and I talked about this a little at the beginning, but when I open myself up to somebody, I'm giving them the opportunity, I'm giving God the opportunity to do something in my life and or their lives through each other. We talk all the time and people say, I don't know, I've been reading my Bible, I've been praying, and God's telling me nothing, right? Number one and two, are you reading your Bible and are you praying right? I don't know. But try the third option there. God uses people in your lives to tell you things all the time, and spiritual maturity is recognizing that. If you have deep, meaningful Christian relationship and community with people, God always uses that to talk through them and to talk to them, right? You putting up a guard, you applying refrigerator restrictions instead of refrigerator rights can oftentimes be an obstacle to, for God using you. And it can be an obstacle for you to see what God has planned for you. God absolutely uses people in your lives to, to send messages, to, to build blessing and thankfulness, and, and to share in weakness and strength. If you're not hearing from God, there's a chance you're not praying right. There's a chance you're not in your Bible right. There's maybe a chance you're not doing any of these things enough. But there's probably a bigger chance that you need some community in your life. It's deep, my friends. Our friends are a, gospel to, a, a vessel for God to speak through. The reason why a lot of people don't hear God is because they are not in the right community. Think about it, too. Not only is he using people in your life for you to speak and to speak through, but, but, but he's, he's using them to, to set an example, and he's using them to hold you accountable. Sometimes we're not hearing God because we lack accountability in our lives because nobody's holding us to a standard. And I've learned that lesson big time, living with Mitch and being best friends with Joe and working at Save the Cowboy because that's what, that's what people do at Save the Cowboy. They hold you accountable. You're never going to hear what you're doing right very often. But they're going to use what you're doing wrong and hold you accountable. And that, my friends, is Christian community. That is refrigerator rights at its finest, right? We said in order to build a strong community, we need to share our flaws. We need to open our resources and give access to, to um, people in our lives. And the third thing, in a spiritual war, we need to battle with each other. Not against each other. The, church is, the big C church is really good at that, right? Fighting each other. But we need to fight with each other. So how do we do that? How do I take um, these relationships and my flaws and my resources and use them to fight alongside of you guys? I'm going to tell you how. Use community to fight our spiritual enemies. Let's look at 1 Peter 5, verse 8. 
it says, and you guys may have heard this before, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We established that, right? It's not a matter of if, but when. Think about that. If you were at war right now and your general told you, hey, it's not a matter of if, but when, would you be more alert? If your life was on the line and, and the powers that be that know more than you do are telling you, hey, an attack's coming. I need you to be ready for it. Your life is on the line. Would you, would you take that lightly? Of course not. None of us would. But, but that's what we do a lot as Christians. And think about the times we're in now more than ever. Like, we're seeing prophecy. We're seeing these things play out. And we're being warned, yet we don't heed those warnings. We don't open ourselves. We don't share our flaws. And we're not willing to fight with each other. But God, our general, right, is telling us, hey, you have an enemy prowling around your house every day, and you need to be ready to fight him, right? And we just don't do that, and it's amazing to me. I use the word fight, and what it says is here is, be alert and of sober mind. The enemy, the devil, prowls around roaring like a lion looking for someone to devour. The Greek version, which... If you guys don't know, the New Testament was written in Greek. So you'll hear us like last week, I used a Greek example. The Greek version, instead of, instead of resist, it says the, to fight, right? So in here, it's, it's telling us to resist the devil. But what, what's really being said the, in the original text is that we're to fight the devil. How daunting of a task is that? Like, that can seem like a big order. Fight the devil? Like, he, he orchestrates so much. It's, it's, ta it's haunting to me. It's scary to me. Because I'm trying to do it alone, right? Because I'm not using my resources, my God-given resources, and that's all of you guys. We give the devil the upper hand by making ourselves the target. How do we do that? not opening ourselves up, skipping church, um, not going to our life groups, like all of these things, when we are walking away from God, when we have these opportunities to do godly things in our life every day, and we're deciding to go play Xbox or watch football or, or whatever we're doing, right, to go hunting, um, we are walking away from opportunities for to fight with with other people, and what are we doing? We're making ourselves a target. And it seems so simple, but I guarantee you every single one of us do that every day. Even as a pastor, um, every single day I do something that I'm not supposed to be doing, and, and vicariously I'm walking away from God. Hopefully we'll come back, right? But do not pass up opportunities in your life to... to Every single day have some community and do something with your brothers and sisters in Christ because, again, and I'm, tr I'm not trying to be repetitive, but there's a battle for your soul and it's being fought every single day. And we're being told to be alert and to resist that, right? That's the importance of community with each other. 
That's the importance of opening up is we do not fight alone. The devil seems like a scary opponent when I sit and think about it by myself. But when I have Joe and Mitch and Caleb and Shay and all of these people together with me, it seems less of a daunting task. I'm like, bring it on. There's a confidence that builds when you're in the presence of other people. That's the beauty of community, and that is what Jesus set up for us in Christianity. This ability to be with each other and to share each other's burdens and, and to hold each other accountable, right? We talked about judgment today. How, how did that sit with everybody? We actually are to judge people fairly, right? It's a good defense mechanism that, that God's built into our souls and it helps us hold each other accountable because I need to hold you accountable because I need to be held accountable, right? There's something beautiful about community even when it's not pretty. Even when, even when I'm having to have hard conversations or people are having to have conver- hard conversations with me, there's still beauty in that because I'm growing. I'm out of my comfort zone. All of these things that make me better because of you guys, not because of me, right? That is God's ultimate plan in our lives and for the church and for the gospel is that we be together and do these things together. We fight for God in community by resisting and fleeing from any activity that takes us away from God. You can see how this sermon kind of comes together, right? Open yourselves up. Don't flee and make yourself a target. Be with each other. But how good are we at doing that? How good at we are, are we at... Um, honestly, me admitting my flaws to people, it, it, I am just the worst. And um, like I can even remember in the past month, like Mitch admitting some things to me, and I just said, you know what, bro? I'm very thankful you trust me enough to do that. Never once judged him, things like that. And yet, I'm scared to do the same to him. What is it about us that, that we just don't want to do it? It's prideful. It's, it's so contrary to God's plan in our lives. And I thought about it this way, and this, this kind of seems stupid to me till I really thought about it. But in preparation for this, I saw, saw the dumbest question online. It said, how do porcupines compa- prepare for the winter? Think about that for a second. How do porcupines prepare for the winter? And I'm like, what? But think about that. Think about the life of a porcupine. They have all these big, sharp quills. In fact, an adult can have up to 30,000 of them. Like, how do they give birth? How do they get close and be intimate and um, stupid things like that? And apparently there's an age-old question that asks, like, how do porcupines compare, prepare for the winter? And what they actually do is it's a big problem in their species when they're young. A lot of them will die and freeze to death because porcupines literally have to be in proximity to each other to be warm. But what happens is you see them evolve as adults, and what they're able to do is even though they have up to 30,000 sharp quills, they're able to put them down so that they can be in proximity to each other, and that's how, they, that's how they reproduce, keep their species going, and that's how they get together and stay warm and all of these things. 
How do porcupines prepare for winter? The same way that we as Christians should prepare for the winners and the battles in our lives. The quills that you have, the, the, your sharp edges and things that you think are preventing people from being in your life, we have to learn to lay those down. We have to learn that there's perfection in our imperfections, and Christ set it up that way. We have to learn that we are a body, not a body part. That together we can admit things and we can get each other out of our comfort zones and we can grow, which is God's plan for our life, as opposed to sitting alone and suffering and falling victim to spiritual attack because you feel like you are not worthy to come to me and talk to me about that, which is absolutely false and it's a lie that the devil's telling you. And let's get that out of our heads. I'm telling you right now, and I know how Mitch feels about this, and he, I think he's the only one in the room I'll speak for. We want you to come to us. We want you to share your, your struggles and your lives, and I want to be able to do that with you guys because you guys are wonderful human beings and an amazing community, and you, you're who God has given me to grow as a person, and there's some bad, bad stuff coming up in our lives, right? We're all going to suffer and go through things, but we need to start doing that together. We need to, to open up to each other and be friendly and talk to these new people at church because you never know how God is going to use you, and you'll need them one day in your suffering. I promise you that. Be like a porcupine in the winter, right? One of my uh, last football thing I'll talk about, I love to get up here and relive the days that I peaked. Um, <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that, Caleb. That is community right there. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite sayings, and I heard it from like third grade all, all the way up, and I promise I'm in closing right now, is... The human body craves contact. And the more you think about that, that, that's really true. And it's a battle you have to fight here at Save the Cowboy because I'm personally a hugger and nobody here is a hugger. But we all as humans have this built-in, innate nat nature to be close to other people. You know, what, feelings aside or any of that, we have a built-in mechanism that we need to be close with each other and we need to experience other people. We were not made to sit in a corner, not as Christians, not as cowboys, not as, as um, humans. We were made to be together and to be with each other. Um, and oftentimes what's preventing, from that, preventing us from that is just three steps that the devil's using against us. I mean, are you brave enough to take the first step in a journey of a thousand steps? God's calling you to be that way, to be a brother, to love each other. Like, how often do we not tell people we love them? That's my favorite thing to do. Like, I will not tell you I love you unless I truly love you, and I tell people that a lot because I may be the only person that they're hearing that from. And that may be an opportunity for God to use that statement through me to, to help somebody who's down or who's suffering. You never know what your brothers and sisters are going through. Like, my job has taught me that. You never know, no matter how, how, how nice the house is next door, 
what the inside looks like, and you would be surprised. You never know how much money. Like giving away beef, I can remember a story of a, of a guy pulling up with a Cadillac to the Long X Ranch, and they talked about judging this guy, and when they got to talk to him, they, he talked about losing his job and losing his family, and Save the Cowboy was the only reason he was eating that evening. That is community, and that's what's on the other side of you not taking those steps to be community to other people. My friends, be part of the body, not a body part. Be community, not a neighbor. Be there for each other and pray for each other and, and talk about your faults and get out of your comfort zone so that we can grow together because that is God's ultimate plan in our lives. Um, and that, that's how we're going to grow and win the spiritual battle for our souls every single day. Let's go to God in prayer. Lord, I just thank you for this, this opportunity and this, this really packed house on a Sunday night that, that these people want to come for round two and that they want to be with each other. Lord, before service, all I did was hear people laugh and talk and love on each other and just be community, Lord. And you are building that through this, this organization and this ministry. And I'm so thankful for that, that people just get to be here with each other and be in your presence at the same time. And it's so powerful the way you're working, Lord. And I just come to you in great appreciation, Lord, not for what I'm doing or for what we're doing, but for what you're doing through these amazing people because we are nothing without each other. Um, and I just thank you that you, you made that possible and you laid that blueprint for us that if we can just be with each other and be honest with each other, the amazing things that can happen in our lives. And, and Lord, I just thank you for the amazing relationships in this room. Not only relationships I have, but the relationship these people have with each other. And may you always grow that and grow our community and bring people in, Lord, because we are trying to make heaven crowded. Um, and it's my honor to be just a small drop in that bucket. It's in your name we pray. Amen.